Hello and welcome back to amazingly a second episode. Didn't think I'd do it, did ya? I didn't. I didn't either. But we're back. We're back, baby, with a second episode. This time it's not about murder, but it's about a museum heist. I can't usually say that word. But same thing. Same thing. Today we got Julia here. Hi. So hi, hi. it's not just me. <laughs> You're not alone. <laughs> You're lucky you don't have to just listen to me. So today we're going to be talking about the Gardner Museum heist or theft on March 18th in 1990. And this is one of the biggest uh, art heists on a property in America. It was the museum, the muse- sorry, the museum was originally built in 1901 and holds 15,000 art pieces and it was originally made to store Isabella Stewart Gardner's paintings and well, not just paintings but art in general and so the actual heist 13 pieces were stolen over a value of 500 million dollars and of course it was in the middle of updating its security system there were only two guardsmen yeah oh it was like 1901 so they weren't as high tech as no this apparently. was 1990 that was the 90s <laughs> and you only have two guardsmen for pieces 19- worth over for pieces worth over $500 million, there are only two guardsmen. <laughs> they were dumb. They were incompetent. Like, Night at, Night at the Museum Part 2. <laughs> Except they're not all alive, but they will be dead because they'll be stolen. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my thought process. I'm sorry. Well, one of the two guardsmen on duty was Richard Abbott, who was in a rock band. Um, Security guard by qualified. night, rocker, <laughs> rocker by morning, and would told the police he showed up to work uh, drunk and stoned most of the time except the night in question that how do you what if you (laughs) if you show up there drunk and high most of the time on that one night you're suddenly not yeah that's a coincidence yeah it's that's too that's too much of a coincidence okay but he took he is quoted to say that it was the most boring job in the world. Oh, so it makes sense why he was drunk. And yeah, no, he'd no, use it as, valid. like, a way to sober up after shows. That's so bad. I mean, what's going to happen? This is, like, a once-in-a-lifetime kind of scenario. Yeah, that's rough day. <laughs> rough day. <laughs> At, yeah, rough morning. At 12.54 a.m., which was 30 minutes before the robbery, a fire alarm went off on the third floor... And there was no fire, but it's never been known if it was part of the heist or just a random trippy fire alarm. But 30 minutes later, at 1.24 a.m., two men dressed as police officers buzzed into the security guest desk, which was against protocol. And they said they were responding to a disturbance call and insisted entry. And it was, they kind of made sense. There was St. Paddy's Day things going on around in the area. So a noise complaint made sense. And Abbott wanted to avoid arrest because he had tickets to a Grateful Dead concert later that day. It's so valid. I love that guy. <laughs> love that guy. Gotta love him. No, that makes... That's so valid. Wait, why they were responding to a dis- disturbance call made at the museum? Just a, I think a disturbance call made in the area. Like Why would you go to the museum instead of, like, actual places? I'm gonna let you in on a little no way! No way! So, <laughs> no, this, sorry, the story doesn't add up. 
Uh, so Alex yes. buzzed them into the employee entrance, entrance, violating protocol, and one of the men said to Abbott, you look familiar, I think we have a default warrant out on you, come out here and show us some identification. So he left the control desk, which had the only button that alerts police to come to the museum, and he was instructed to stand against the wall, spread eagle, and handcuffed without being frisked, and that's when he realized it could be a robbery, because usually they pat you down first to realize, and be like, don't have like Spread eagle. Yeah. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> but, so but, they thought that the two men knew that the button that alerted the police was behind the desk, because it made sense that, like, they... Because it's a museum, and it had to be near the desk, because that's where Yeah, but were. there could have been another button, but so obviously they, like, cased the joint or something, or they knew. Mm. But, so, when the second guard arrives, because Abbott was the only one on duty at this time, and then a second guard arrives, and he was also arrested, and when he asked when he was being arrested, the men replied, you're not being arrested, this is a robbery, don't give us any problems, and you won't get hurt. And the guard responded, don't worry, they don't pay me enough to get hurt. So the hands, heads, and feet of the guards were bound with duct tape. And little note to everyone listening, don't look that up. I watched a document, I like watched a mini video on this about the ending of this and they showed pictures of the guards tied up and it's not scary i just didn't realize abbott had long hair so it's taped around his face and i like for two nights i was worried he was gonna be standing in my doorway (laughs) i was like because it's like if he was bald it wouldn't have been scary you know what i mean (laughs) it's the long hair that will end up being curly hair yeah no that like wrapped around his face it wasn't Mm, that's not a look. Mm-mm. But so, during the heist itself, the infrared motion detectors showed that the robberies went next to the second floor and split up. An alarm went off in the Dutch room that someone had gotten too close to the artworks, and the robbers smashed the alarm. So the alarm goes off, and the guards, and the only way the police are notified is if the guards pressed the button. And so, of course, like I said, the security was being updated because the security expert has had assessed and said it was faulty. And so... You know, they could have fixed it earlier. They didn't. They just let this happen. And then they then they fixed it, I guess. So the alarm around the work went off. And then they just smashed it. <laughs> they then they smashed But the signal didn't go to the security company. It just went to the security expert. And that expert was like, no, that's not. It went to the desk where the guards were supposed to be with the button to the police. But Ugh. they couldn't press the only singular button to the police because they were tied up. And the a security expert knew that this might happen because he'd assessed it, like, months before and was like, this mm. is faulty, this is horrible, like, this is, you're gonna get robbed. And of course, Oh, so it's not like this... The security expert wasn't in on it. He didn't mm. get, like, a call that was, like, a museum's being hi- robbed and then he was just like, nah, it's fine. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta love the 90s. Gotta love March 18th, 1990. Uh, 13 pieces were taken, including three Rembrandts, and they tried taking a fourth Rembrandt, but it was too hard to remove, so they tried ribbing it, they just couldn't take it to their car. Darn. Yeah. At 1.51 a.m., well, one robber was in the Dutch room, the other went down a narrow hallway on the second floor, and when the other thief joined, they tried to unscrew the Napoleonic flag, but didn't succeed in stealing it, and they took the golden fillion eagle that was on top instead. I mean, that's probably worth more than the flag. Exactly, but they knew that they had tried to take the flag originally, because mm. screws were taken out, uh. but then they couldn't, 
they couldn't get it because so there was proof that they tried yeah they didn't just show up for an eagle (laughs) so (laughs) you plot you're like i really want this gold filly and eagle this is pretty it's gonna be mine (laughs) hang it on my mantle (laughs) no because it's so funny because if those screws hadn't been seen would they even notice the eagle was gone yeah it's like on top you know how like flags have like the pole and then there's something on top that's the eagle. Like, the, you know how there's usually, like, a little ball on top of flags? Oh, uh, so it was a fancy flag. Yeah, Napoleon. Uh, of course, of course. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not well acquainted in French flags. <laughs> or Napoleonic flags, to be <laughs> exact. Yes. <laughs> Napoleon? No, like... Actually, that was not my crossword. Napoleon's horse is a crossword. Actually, anyone who knows the answer, please hit me up. Like, the name of the horse or the kind of horse? It said... Napoleon's armed heart horse. So if anyone knows that, please hit me up <laughs> at two twenty. My DMs. <laughs> Let me know. Guys, you slide into my DMs with some crossword answers. I've gotta know. <laughs> at two twenty-eight a.m., they returned to the security and checked on the guards in the basement and asked if they were comfortable. And <laughs> they destroyed the tapes that captured their movements outside and the side door and other places in the museum but the movement data was still captured and remained on a hard drive that's how they knew about the infrared and Mm -hmm. where they were at certain times after 13 minutes after checking on the guards and destroying all the information they began to leave the side door entrances were opened at 2 40 a.m and for the last time at 2 45 a.m they took two separate trips to the car and witnesses said that they saw the thieves with a red hatchback uh, the robbery lasted a total of 81 minutes. Around four hours later, at 6.45 to around 8.16 a.m., the morning security guards showed up, and they weren't able to get into the museum, so they called the deputy security guard, who called the police. And at 8.30, the police showed up and discovered the night guards handcuffed in the basement. And so when they questioned the guards, they said they wore gloves, but they didn't cover their faces, so they must have seen their faces. But, of course, Abbott could not remember what the men looked like and said the police sketch was, quote, awful and, quote, one of them looked like Colonel Clank on Hogan's Heroes. That's all I can remember. That's so specific. Colonel Clank. Yes. The big bald guy. Oh, of course. I think. Pretty sure. But also, it was, like... 12 a.m. Yeah. So, even, like, I don't care how good my visual memory would be, it would still be foggy because I'd be tired as hell. Like, 12 a.m. You're being robbed. You're tied up in duct tape. Sober. (laughs) Sober. (laughs) And you expect me to remember what this dude looks like? That's a little silly. But, also, what kind of robbers don't cover their face? I mean, I get them covering their hands, but if they knew that there were cameras that they destroyed, they only covered their hands but not their face? I think because they had to be police officers. They couldn't... Because um, they couldn't walk around this... I mean, they could have when they got in, in but... pocket? Sorry. No, yeah. I like oh. overthinking these no, things. No, yeah. Because like I like to just show how wrong they are. Like, I'd be like, I could do this so much better than they could. I mean, you probably can. <laughs> I probably can. That's why. But it's not like I'm going to show up and rob a bank <laughs> can't for prove it, Rembrandt. You could. <laughs> I can't prove it, but the idea is there. The thought process is there. Yeah. Although this was also the 90s, so I think, in my, opi- my humble opinion, I feel like everyone in the 90s was stupid. 
Like, I wasn't there. <laughs> Ten years before you were born? I wasn't there. I just have a feeling, like, oh my gosh. Just based on, like, the style choices alone, I feel like you must be stupid. So then, there's another example. Stupidity. Another example. What, <laughs> Hogan's Heroes was his... Was this look like to the guy who almost killed? Not killed him. I don't think they would have killed him. But it's just the guy who kind of like ruined his job that yeah. he didn't have much hopes for in the first place. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So the thieves left behind more valuable pieces while taking an obs- the eagle, which didn't really make sense. So, <laughs> I but they did what they got to do. On April in April 1994, so this is four years after the heist. The museum got an anonymous letter disclosing that they knew the location of the art, and they knew extensive information about the art and said it was, quote, in a safe, controlled environment. They requested $2.6 million in exchange for the art, and the museum agreed. The museum then received a second letter, and in the letter it stated that they were discouraged by the local, state, and federal law intervening. The writer wondered if they were trying to arrest the middleman, and they wrote in caps, quote, you cannot have both. They also added that they would give clues to the art and but they never heard from the writer again. So they didn't. The, I guess it was a prank. But that's so silly. Imagine the whole museum be like, "I want my stuff back," and then this just anonymous artist is like, "Well, you can have it. Just pay me this money." I feel like also it was worth five hundred million dollars, and they only asked for two point eight million. Two Six. Six. Oh, my mistake. It's the same in same comparison difference. to $500 million, It's pretty much. So they stole three pieces. No, they stole 12 pieces, three of which were Rembrandt's, and a Golden Eagle. 13. Yeah, 13, 13 pieces. <laughs> it's one, off by one. I think. <laughs> off by one every time. I mean, they tried to get a fourth Rembrandt, so I mean, close enough. Okay. What do you mean you can't? What do they mean by they can't have both? Can't have both. They can't have. They can't be arrested. They can't have both. They can't have the arrest of the guys and the pieces. They can either... They can't have both. They can't have the law intervene. They can't have the middleman arrested. So they can either get the pieces that are worth more than (laughs) the robbers. They can get the pieces back. Although the robbers could steal it again. Although I don't think they would, but... So... Okay. Sorry. Wait, so then what do they do? What do they do with this? They just never heard from the writer since. So they're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, they just never heard from the writer again. Lost 13 but valuable pieces, whatever. Whatever, but theories. There are theories. Oh, theories. There are, yeah, theories. Investigated. The investigation was run by the FBI. Not, uh, thank you, not, Federal Bureau of Investigation. <laughs> not like state. Or, mm. But okay, the, first, the first theory was that Richard E. Abbott, the... Uh, Security guard did it. Uh, he was interviewed by the police because of his behavior on the night of the theft and because he couldn't remember the faces of the thieves <laughs> and because the first floor motion detectors didn't detect the thieves but detected Abbott on his rounds. So when he checked around, it caught him but didn't catch the thieves. And it wasn't the first time he'd broken protocol by opening the back door when he once snuck friends into the museum. And the night before the heist, he let a man in the back door. And at first, uh, the FBI thought it was a man, like, to case the case the joint. But when they finally showed it to the public, they realized it was Abbott's boss that he had let in. So What? Yeah. But when on duty, he briefly opened and shut a side door, and he said it was routine to make sure it wasn't locked. 
And an inside job would have made sense because of the knowledge that the thieves seemed to know where the alarm was for the police and knowing the artwork didn't have anti-theft alarms, only rigged to see how close you got. But the FBI realized that the security cards were too incompetent to instruct this theft. So I guess that's kind of a blow on them, but I mean, imagine being burned by the FBI. Being like, you're too incompetent to do this. You can't do that. Wow. <laughs> I feel like he wouldn't have done it. You have Grateful Dead concert tickets. You got better things to do, buddy. But wow. So was that their first suspect? Just because? So the yeah, first suspects he... were just the security guards. Yeah. Mm. And then so the second suspect was Bryant McDevitt who committed similar art robbery back in the 80s and hijacked a FedEx truck and uh, dosed the driver with ether. So he wore a uniform and had tape and planned on cutting paintings in Glens Fall, New York. So that was similar to dressing up as police officers. and But he ended up getting... Hear this. He, he ended up getting stuck in traffic. And when he got there, the museum was closed. So he didn't actually rob... The Glens Fall New York Museum. He got stuck in traffic. Well, you can't beat that New York traffic, no matter what you want to do. Honestly. So true. But also, what the security guards thought, didn't they find them handcuffed or tied up in the basement? Yeah, duct taped in the basement. So, if they had stolen those pieces of work, how would they... Get like, it would have been an inside job. Like, he constructed it and had his friends... Oh, and his friends him. did it, and then he handcuffed himself in the basement to show that he was innocent instead of just running away. Yeah, I think we're smarter mm. than the FBI, though. I think you just cut <laughs> the case. You can't duct tape yourself. Uh, yeah, you can't... Unless the people who were doing the inside... Well, unless the people who were doing the inside job did that. Like, here you go, boss. Let me just handcuff you real quick. Make yeah, sure let you me duct tape you. Be like, are you okay? Are you Okay. Are you doing okay? Are you safe? Don't worry, we'll have the money soon and then we'll send them anonymous letters just to torment them. Perfect plan. (laughs) (laughs) Brian McDevitt spent time in jail for attempted robbery and he lived 10 minutes away from the Gardiner Museum. But he was questioned by the FBI in 1992 and later in front of a grand jury and the lawyer said that he knew nothing about the crime. So... They just, you know, they didn't, they didn't do. So he was arrested for the attempt of robbing another museum. Yeah, in the 80s. And then they asked him about, well, what do you know about this robbery? Yeah, and it went so far that they went in front of a grand jury. But his lawyer said he knew nothing about the crime and it never went anywhere. That makes sense since he was robbing, since he was trying to rob a completely different museum. Yeah, not the same time, but yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it may actually. I guess it kind of makes sense just to ask, you know, experienced robbers of museums. You know, like, hey, you know this guy. Kind of like, kind of reminds me of like, you know, how in movies where they have like those underground bars where everyone knows what everyone's doing. So like, one guy's going out for a job, and you're like, hey man, you know this guy who did this? And they're like, oh yeah, man, I know that guy. (laughs) Sorry, I got, I got, I got a a little lost there somewhere. Wow, the way our voice looks is just so cool. I know. We're looking at the garage band, <laughs> the my janky garage band on my computer. Look, it's a thought that counts, guys. Okay? Let's be real. I'm using my microphone courtesy of my dad. No, but this is a, this is a really cool setup. Like, I would have just used my headphones and recorded, like, hey guys, so I'm going to tell you about this museum, but instead you have a whole full-fledged 
microphone. That's sick. My dad does podcasts. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. So you're experienced. Yeah, I guess it's like generational. <laughs> generational genetics. <laughs> Full circle, guys. Let's Full keep it circle. going. He does stocks, and I don't know. I don't understand the concept stocks. of money. Um, the first thing, the first part I saw this on was on unsolved, but it's not unsolved. It's not BuzzFeed unsolved anymore. It's, it's a solved, solved case. BuzzFeed no solved. way. BuzzFeed solved. New generation. Let's go. Let's go. Shane Ryan, if you're out there listening. I love you. Please be my best friend. I need more friends. Please. Please. You're my only hope. Um, <laughs> our third, our, our final theory, our final. So in 2018, the FBI said that they had figured out the thieves' names but didn't release the names to the public until 2019. And that both the men were dead so they, they couldn't really put them in prison but they have identified them as george rosenfelder and lenny dimuzio who belong to the criminal crew run by carmelo merlino but because they were dead and they had no way of really being able to interview them or connect them because there was no dna found the fbi still had no solid leads on where the artwork might have gone so the artwork's never been it's never been found it's never been resurfaced but it could have been passed around exactly because everyone is connected with each other so even though they're dead the place where they actually stored the art cannot like it's not where the art actually is Mm -hmm. deep Mm -hmm. deep yeah there's security excerpts online as well as a netflix movie which i do think was stolen from my idea (laughs) my idea to create a podcast episode about a well-known art heist Mm. Here, let me let's get some more intel guys let's let's go deeper into this i like how horrible this is so we're watching the security tape and i feel a little bad you guys can't watch along with us i mean but there's nothing to watch it's time stamped and it's blurry and it's a bit confusing you it know, says he is confirmed as the deputy director of security. Yeah. Wait, so then This was the guy who Abbas just let in. Like, this But is... that was the night before. So if he's the deputy... Whoa. Deputy director of security the night before the robbery, what was he doing? Because it seems like he's not there all the time if, he, if the security guard had to let him in. True. True. So, like, what's he doing there? I think it's awfully convenient. I mean, I don't speak from experience or anything, but I think she it's just... never robbed a bank. It's just awfully or convenient. <laughs> Anyways, I think it's just awfully convenient because it's, like, the deputy director clearly hasn't been there all the time. No. Like, where does he work? Definitely not directly there because he's... He's just different, guys. But... It's a different white man. Ah, I gotta love that privilege. Um... Anyways, wanna end this with a bang? What's the bang? Let's that hear to it. this day, no one has been arrested or tried in connection to this heist. And despite all of these years, up until now, the FBI has been fighting since 1990. They can't find anyone. In the so, I'm gonna. This is a quote from someone from an agent who oh, told yeah. the Boston Globe. 
In the last 20 years, in the last eight years that I've had the case, there hasn't been a concrete sighting or real proof of life. Oh. So no one's ever been Whoa. arrested. But there's some people who have been like, word of word, word of ear, I think this guy did it. But there's no, like, real arrests like happening. big game of telephone. Exactly. In 2006, yes. Reisenfelder's former cellmate sent a letter to the museum's director of security claiming that Reisenfelder had admitted to the crime in 1990, but that doesn't exactly make sense with the time being in prison in 1990. But, you know, it could have been three months later for a different arrest. So you never know. It's a real knee slapper, guys. Those were us slapping our knees. <laughs> Not anything else, I swear. <laughs> I swear. Um, That's really crazy, though. So it's, yeah. like, half solved. It's half solved. Hmm. But they can never arrest anyone because they're dead. So, yeah. Sad times. Sad times. Sad, sad, sad times. And the pieces still weren't found. Nope. Sad day for that gold filly and eagle. I just want my eagle bag, bro. So sad. Sad day for the eagles. Everyone, stay safe out there. Stay safe, Gold Philly and Eagles. Have a great day. Uh, maybe come back to you with another episode. We'll see. We'll see. Thumbs up. Bye, guys. Have a nice day.